Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 440. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you how he went from a highly successful CPA living in New York City, completely stressed out, numbing out every weekend going to Vegas, and how he completely shifted his identity, turned his life around, and is now living mindfully and intentionally, and how you can too. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Scott Gazzoli. Scott, welcome. What's up, Heather? How are we doing? Thank you for having me. Happy Monday. I know this is a fun exchange. I just got to be on Scott's podcast and it's so fun being in the passenger seat. What I would love for you to do is give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Sure. I am born and raised in Brooklyn, not leaving anytime soon, even though casually looking for my second place, San Diego, Colorado. Heather knows the deal. Um, And I am the creator of Causing the Effect. Um, The podcast is really supposed to become or create the most authentic version of yourself through a mix of mindset, spirituality, psychology, uh, mysticism, even a way. And and the way I try to even fitness um, and the way I try to look at it is there's those three pieces, the mind, body, and spirit. Um, And each of us have strengths and weaknesses, different awareness levels on each and being able to connect those and figure out what, what you need most in your life um, compared to what you don't, what things could pop up. So you'll, you'll see psychologists, neuroscientists, mindset coaches like Heather, um, who just joined me. Um, Yeah. And it's been great on seeing the pieces that you would never think. So when I started the podcast, it was classic mindset work. It was a lot of older women listening 40 to 60 years old. And then all of a sudden I started throwing in, I would say more, just what felt right to me, more the authentic side of myself, which is spirituality. I really would never would have thought that's really where I found my home is in that stillness and that peace. Um, and talking about that, there's been a lot of young listeners who just were not even aware. They would, they would tell me that there's, um, there's things you're saying that I felt like I already knew, which I think is just that deep unconscious, you know, that we're all kind of built with uh, that personal yeah. unconscious that we all have, um, yeah. that we kind of need that grounding. And I think, um, what I try to help people with is, is the, the mix of the doing, being able to complete your goals while staying close to that, that spirituality, that peacefulness, that keeping that calm. Cause I, I get, um, in my day job, I get to talk to billionaires every day, a lot of famous people. And, um, you know, I, you can see money does not buy any happiness. There's miserable people who don't even realize it. Um, so being able to put that together, um, and be in the moment while you achieve your goals and while you kind of live out your dreams is, is what I want for everybody. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part, everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now back to regular programming. Oh, I love this. It's going to be good. 
Um, before we get into all the mind, body, spirit, that's what I call the trifecta. And I love talking that. Um, and, you know, I think we're similar. We have some parallels. I love metaphysics and science and spirituality. I love all of that. But I would love to share if we could back it up a little bit. Can you take us to 2014 where you were at this, you know, the corporate gig, stressed out health issues to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, that was um, in my previous life. Everybody listen, I was a CPA, CFA in Manhattan. You're in the most crunched out, stressed out city in the world. You're working, you're making good money, but you're working 9 a.m. to about 10 p.m. every day. So what I was doing was stress work, conflict Monday through Thursday, Friday nights. I would leave and go to Vegas every weekend. So this was it. Monday, work, 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 work till Friday, take the seven o'clock flight. Saturday, Sunday, Monday party, come home for Monday, go to work. After doing this for three or four years, your body starts shutting down. It just didn't feel right. I knew there was an incongruency in me. I started getting um, ulcers. Um, I went to the doctor. I said, give me the medicine, give me the pills and let me just keep, I got to keep trucking here, doc. What's the, what's the answer? He said, all right, listen, relax. I don't know what, what, what kind of path you're on. You got to chill. Um, your stress levels are too high. Whatever you're doing, you have to figure out a way to, to stop your, stop yourself. Um, my cousin who is, um, the philosopher of the family, I would say, shout out to cousin Paul, gave me a book called mindfulness in plain English. It is, it was a story about a guy on wall street who had a nervous breakdown and then became a monk. Um, and I've been on that path ever since it's been eight or nine years of mindfulness meditation. Um, I've kind of gone, through most of the personal development that I'm sure Heather spoke about, Joe Dispenza, uh, I have a Tony Robbins coach. And I, I've learned that like, once you step your foot in that personal development, it, it's not so much adding pieces and getting more courageous. It's like you said on my podcast, it's like peeling the, the veil of illusions back almost. And that's, you know, I would say under understanding that most facts are just people's opinions and understanding that the under, like what is reality? What is the underlying cosmic reality is what I want to do in life. And that's kind of, if you ask me where I stand in religion, I do a meditation on focused on Tibetan Buddhism, which I'm more than happy to talk about. That has been really interesting to, um, to let, let me understand where those unconditioned seeds of thought have been planted and just being able to like, look at them and plot, plot them out. It's been interesting. It's been a really cool thing. And I would say this year is more very, I'm very heavily focused on that Tibetan Buddhism. So. Well, I'd love to touch on that. I think what's important to note is I don't believe there is one way. I believe what we're nearly 8 billion people on this planet. There are potentially 8 billion ways to go about this. But look, the thing, and I think the reason the personal development industry is a billion dollar industry is because we have this innate knowing we're not supposed to be struggling and we're supposed to be in flow and ease and harmony. And we're so off course, it doesn't feel good. And we're seeking that thing to make us feel good. So instead we numb out food, alcohol, sex, drugs, shopping. We all have a numbing agent until we decide, you know, some people hit rock bottom, right? A lot of people have to go so far out, bankruptcy, divorce, whatever, until they have a wake-up call. And I would just love to help people before you, you don't have to hit that dark space before you can implement these mindfulness tools and techniques that we learn. And, you know, even the greats today aren't teaching us anything new, right? They're 
we're all saying the same thing that even Napoleon Hill wrote about a hundred plus years ago and, and people way before Napoleon Hill. So what I would love for you to share, we'll get into this Tibetan Buddhism, but what is mindfulness to you? Mindfulness as a, as a whole was a subset of Zen Buddhism. So what we're seeing in today's world is people really enjoyed the Zen part of it, of being in the present moment and moving it to mindfulness which become more westernized. For me, it is clarity, it is harmony, it is peace, and it is most importantly stillness. Um, I was always a mover and shaker in my life, even though, you know, I'd say still am to, to an extent, yeah. um, trying to hit goals, trying to do things. And, and for people listening, I think the first step is self-awareness. By having mindfulness, you're able to sit down and say, where am I on this? Am I more of a still person or am I more of a go, go, go person? If you're type A, you're a go like me and Heather. If you're not, you're B. And you, you could sit there and figure out, okay, if something's broke, don't fix it. If you can hit your goals and do that, I'm lucky enough where if I have a nice three-month goal and you, you set some um, actions in between and you give your whys and your hows, you're going to hit that. For me, it was finding that stillness and having a lot of uh, unease in my childhood, even unease in, throughout my 20s. Uh, I never knew what stillness was. And when you start seeing that and even understanding from an intuitive level that when you go deeper, uh, you can go deeper in your consciousness, in your shadow work, in your dream work, and be able to see where those issues are and like either accept them or work on them or whatever you want to, whatever that, that answer may be for you. Um, life becomes more vibrant. It becomes fuller. It becomes more energetic. So from that point, and, and you know, even at, since my mindfulness, I've had other you know, detriments. I, if you looked at me, I was 27, 28. I had everything. I did what exactly what culture, society, my mother said, get married, have a great job, build a house, all this stuff. Did it. I did that. All of it. I, was, I thought I was done. I was like, all right, where's this happiness? Is this coming? Is this what's going on? Yeah. Ma, you told me to marry the pretty Italian girl. I did it. I built the house with my bare hands in Brooklyn, did that. And I felt empty. I felt like I was, I was, you know, I felt lack. That was the word that always popped up for me. Um, and it was because I was living under the values that was kind of given to me from, listen, and those values are great. If you want to get married, it's it just, it, that's not it for everybody. And I was living unconsciously. How the hell would I think about my values when I'm worried about what cocaine I'm doing on the weekend or this or that in Vegas, right? So the only reason I really ended up getting back with my ex was because I thought I was going to get myself in worse trouble. So that's another reason I, I messed up. But um, from that point, 27, so that's been five or six years now, I said, I'm going to live the most authentic version of myself. I'm going to speak the truth and the things that I need to say, somebody needs to hear them uh, somewhere. And um, I think people do enjoy listening to a kid from Brooklyn kind of understand and work my way through this, this whole thing from these different angles. So I think understanding things from, from a psychological level, from a scientific level, and then from a spiritual level does bring all of us a little closer in this to understand it and hit different pieces of the mind. And has there been discomfort on the journey? Absolutely. I'm going through right now. And it, it's been, it, it, I would say the first couple of years, it was more stepping into this version of Scott, the podcast and stepping away from, um, you know, call young calls at the retrogression of the soul. So what that means is going back to that old person. You mentioned it before on my podcast, the second, the world uh, during COVID, everybody was freaking out and, you know, buying toilet paper. I was having a great time. I was here meditating a couple hours a day, getting clear on what I wanted and ended up being a podcast and, um, and stand up comedy. I did those, we were able to attack those and all that stuff, but that old version kept coming. And as COVID has become less and less of an issue, 
it's been more pulling of this identity of Scott, the, the Wall Street guy or Scott, the moneymaker that doesn't quite feel right anymore. So being able to integrate all those different pieces of me um, has been a struggle. Yeah, I think even for me, something I shared with you was, uh, especially in my 20s, I created a habit of always being busy. I worked full time when I was in college, even I guess, sort of in high school, but I, I was busy seven days a week. That's what I knew. I never wanted to be alone. And now I can see I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts. So as long as I was busy, I never had to face them. And who I am today is like, man, I don't even really like social stuff anymore. I really like being alone with my thoughts. It's peaceful. I love nature. I love meditating. And so I think what's important to share there is you can let go of this identity you've built anytime you desire, and you can recreate anytime you desire. And, and, and the interesting part about this was going through this process, I've realized like how much you are kind of told who you are by the world, like just being around people, just being around the friends that you've been friends with, being around your boss to tell, you know, you, you get constantly put into that identity. So for me, finding the recluse in college, I was telling Heather, I was in her hometown, I was in, I was in Colorado last week, just walking through the Garden of the Gods, taking as the, the Indians called it my vision quest and going up to, um, you know, Pike's Peak, it, it just, it filled my soul. And it, it's just so funny that you know, I searched and spent so much money on things. I, I was looking for, for that deep feeling and it's free. Everything's all the stuff I love now looking at the water and being in the mountains and, and the stillness it's all free. And that's, that's the best part. And I do think that's why some people, they, they don't really want you to know about that. Cause it's not gonna, it doesn't really work for the consumer society that we live in today. But, right. um, what I, I really challenge a lot of people who aren't you know, who aren't, if it doesn't click with you, the stillness, just get off the phone for the first hour of your morning and be able to sit with yourself. And either, you know, I think you like journaling. I'm not a big journaler. I, I like sitting, I'm doing my breath work. But if, if you just let yourself sit with those thoughts for the first hour and don't go right to the phone and let the reactions and just kind of go in that loop, everything becomes a lot easier. Surprisingly. Yeah. All right. I would love to, can we dive into this Tibetan Buddhism? Because I'm not familiar with that, but I know a little bit about Buddhism. So I'd love for mm -hmm. you to share. What is that? Yes. So to give everybody the full history, I'm going to give you a quick history of, of even what I understand. So, um, Sotomatra Gadna, the, the Buddha, right? Everybody knows the Buddha, the guy sitting on the thing, whatever he created, um, his, uh, the, the style of Buddhism about 3000, 4,000 years ago. And, um, from there, his disciples, there was about six or seven disciples or his followers, whatever, each of them kind of branched off to a different part of the world. Um, one of them went to Japan, that created Zen. Uh, one of them went to China that created Tao or Tao. Then um, two of them went up to Tibet and that's where Tibetan Buddhism comes from. And each of them, um, the, the points of the, of the Buddha, right? If people are not familiar with the four noble truths, uh, I will tell them to you right now. The, the first one that he, he said there was four main truths that there is um, the, 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 there, there's suffering right? Just accept that understanding that there is dukkha is what it was called. There's um, then the next one was understanding that there is an origin or a cause for your suffering. Then the third one was um, understanding that you can end your suffering. And then the, 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 the last piece, which is called MAGA is the, the answer to that and the path leading to the end of your kind of 
dukkha or your suffering, whatever that case may be. Now, each culture kind of took upon a different flavor depending on where they were. So if you, if you met the Japanese, they're very efficient. They're very, uh, they, they, they just want, what's the point of this basically? They created what? Mindfulness, which is just being in the present moment. In Tibet, they were more focused on the, the underlying cosmic reality of understanding why, what is going on in the world? What is the reality? What is truth? Uh, more of a philosophical piece, which is why I think I kind of went to it. And their type of meditation, um, the Tibetan way of meditation, where I would say more, if you looked at a classic way of, medit of meditating, it would be uh, breathe in, breathe out. And when your thoughts arise, right, what do you want to do? You want to just bring yourself back to your breath. That's that classic Chinese or just whatever we want to call it, more simple, simplistic meditation. This is what I did for a couple of years. And that was great. But there, you hit a point in your meditation where, okay, I, I'm observing everything. I'm in the moment, but I, if I, I can't change it, what, I can't change this. Why? Why, why, why? And that's, that was the issue I had. So I found um, this book on, on Tibetan Buddhism and what they teach you is so let's say you're in your meditation and you're breathing in and out and in and out and in and out. Now I go off. Let's say I was doing it this morning and I go off to, I think about podcasting, right? And then I go Heather and then I go mind. I, 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 I see myself going through these thoughts, right? What, what we're trained to do is you have this by a very detail oriented kind of meditation, go track your way back to your breath. So I have to go from uh, mind over matter to Heather to podcast, to hear. And what you do now, I've been doing this for about six or seven months. It is very difficult. It is annoying at parts, but what you do is then you start focusing on what you want to change. So let it be anger for me. For me, it's anger and judging. And now you use these tools. If you're focusing on judgment or anger, whatever the case may be, you see yourself go off and you're able to tr use that. It's almost a tool that you're used to see where your thoughts came from. So in totality, once you're done with this a couple of years in, you're able to retrace those unconditioned seeds that have been planted in anger. I've done it with jealousy. Um, I didn't know it was Tibetan Buddhism, but I used that for just in my first kind of step through mindfulness. And it's, um, it's not an easy way of meditating. So some people meditate just to, just to remove their anxiety. That's fantastic. This is almost a deeper level of meditating where I'm trying to really change that those conditioned parts of me that I've been dealing with um, that came from childhood, basically. The subconscious. Yes. Yes. Oh, for me, a lot of anger, a lot of anger, a lot of judgment. That was, that was mine. I get it. I remember when I first started meditating or, you know, tried it a few years ago, my mom taught me that because the thoughts are going to come. I think people think that meditation is going to be this complete stillness, quiet. It is. That's tends to be when like my mental chaos turns on my to-do list. I, you know, I'm itching. I want to move. I, I want to check my phone, but she told me that, you know, think of your thoughts as clouds and let them pass by. You'll come back to them. You know, give me these five minutes, this 30 minutes, I will come back to you, you mm -hmm. know, and then you're not resisting and pushing away and ah, I shouldn't judging yourself, but I have to share with you. I was at, um, in April, a Joe Dispenza advanced follow-up a weekend thing. And in Dispenza retreats, it's a lot of meditation, especially the AFUs. I mean, it's hours at a time, multiple times a day. But anyway, I was, it was a morning one. I'm so frustrated. I can't get in it. I'm distracted by people making noises or moving or what I was pissed. So I walked out of that and I ended up going to a meditation assist. So there are people there that can, they're they help you. So I asked her a question. I was like, I'm just so frustrated. You know, I, 
this meditation, it's hard. And so she asked me, and this is what dispenses a, a big, a lot of his teaching, right? Break the habit of being yourself. But she asked me about those emotions that were coming up. And I was like, well, I was frustrated, disappointed, angry, whatever I named. And she's like, well, are those familiar emotions? Yes. And that's what dispense is teaching are. You have to overcome those familiar negative emotions, keeping you stuck in order to, you know, he calls it the river of change in order to show up as this version 2.0, or honestly, it's like the authentic version of you because anger, frustration, guilt, all of those low vibes aren't you. Anyway, I think ultimately what I learned is that it's a process and you have to have so much self-compassion and grace and, and just keep showing up. Exactly. And that goes with, with anything, right? We were talking about our, our, our just podcasting before. I remember that those first five or 10 and you're nervous. I'm like, what am I going to say now? I'm like, let's fucking roll, baby. I'm the show. Let's get this going. Like yep. it, it's just doing it and walking yourself through that uncomfortability every time. And with meditation, I, I have people say all the time, well, aren't you just sitting? And it's like meditation. The only way I can really describe, like people ask me why I meditate. We, the, the, the byproducts of it, the being calm, seeing reality, that's all cool. But I would say you want to do meditation by, by if you go into these things, wanting, like looking for that result, you're not going to get them. It's almost like a, a very paradoxical way of, of looking at it, but you have to do meditation because you just dig it, right? It's like, it's like, why, why do you dance? Why do we dance? What is the point of dancing? Like you're dancing because I want to move and you feel something. And yeah. that's why I do it. I, I do it because it, it really, now the byproducts of that, of finding awareness of being calm, stillness, those are just. Like if I didn't get those, I would still do it because it does do something, the clarity of your mind, being able to, to, to see everything. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm, when I wake up, I'm on this level, I'm looking down at the world from 10 feet. And then I go all the way up to hundred. And then with through stillness, you're able to maximize your opportunities. You're able to take more risks because you could see clearly. Mm. Um, and all of those have been just profound to me. Um, like after my divorce, you know, classic stuff, the woman took everything and took the house. All I wanted was my deprivation tank. I said, just give me the tank. I got the tank. It's all I cared about. That's all I needed. I had $600 to my name. I was never allowed to invest any of our money because she was an old school Italian woman. And, you know, now I could say, I know like this, is my job, I was like, my job is investing for billionaires. Why can't we invest our money? And, you know, a couple of years after being able to see everything, it's like, oh, wow, I can you know, you really can hit your goals when you set, I want to make X amount of dollars a year or this and that. So, um, you know, it, it's always been easy for me to kind of get things done, but through like negative emotions, maybe a little vengeance, maybe through revenge, maybe through, you know, I'm gonna, you know, getting yourself too hyped up. And I realized like working through love is not, it's not easier, but it's more fulfilling when you're actually doing it. Yeah. I, well, I think that was important to share because who do you need to prove yourself to, right? Exactly. And that's oh. what I was trying to do. Those first couple of years of divorce, you know, oh, you're told sure. by people, you're lazy, you're this, you're that, you're not, you know, whatever. Um, and you're just work. And, and then, you know, when I was doing everything, if you, when you jump into this, you're just doing, doing, doing. So all you're worrying about is hitting goals and hitting numbers and making money. And then you look back, you go, what, what did I do? Like, what? did I make time for my family to, to, to connect with the people I love? Um, and that's when I really started focusing on the stillness of it. And really seeing that by having the balance, it actually, you get more done because when you, when you kind of recharge, there's only so much energy you could put out. So instead of throwing it and wasting it, 
if you or if you learn to reserve it and be able to be like, okay, what is going on? Huh. How do I feel? Um, and then you get more clarity on where you're going. You get more clarity on who you should be around. You just get these little insights um, intuitively that really just kind of expand your mind. The word I would use for that is being intentional. Yes. Because we all have the same minutes and seconds in a day. How are you using it? Exactly. Proactive versus reactive. Yeah. And it's easy. We're just kind of, I feel like even, I'm sure this happened to you in your podcast. It'll happen to me here. And then when you, when you're doing something and you do it so repetitively, it does become unconscious. And with meditation or stillness, whatever they call cold introspection, whatever that does is it keeps you intentional. It keeps you being, being almost more, more um, versatility to change, to understand what's going on in the podcast. Where, where's the focus here? Changing the comedy around what's going on here. What's going there. Um, and you know, that's all these things I do are there's people involved, there's connection, there's, and there's a journey of self-awareness and surprisingly doing stand-up comedy has been the biggest journey of self-awareness because I never knew what people viewed me as. And by doing comedy, you have to understand that. Well, people are looking at you for this and how do you get them off guard? How do you play that game? So I never realized the way people were viewing me. So I'm sitting there doing I would say not my shtick now that was, I wasn't very good in the beginning. And all of a sudden you're doing like stuff that I'd never thought, like people look at me like a sexy Italian guy, like what the fuck? And all of a sudden you get these, all these, all these pops. It's just such an interesting thing to see the, the, like how everything kind of works. It, it was very cool. And then with comedy, if you're not in the moment when you're performing, you're dead in the water. So it all is, everything is very um, interchangeable. No, I, I love that. Cause I've never heard it that way before. I love, teaching via metaphors because that's how I learn and understand and I'm very physical and I love sports so snowboarding you have to be present running you have to be present and now look with comedy you have to be present and think about improv and I love that that's so we all experience it depending on our interests whatever we connect with yes and and the easiest thing whenever Everybody feels present when they're listening to their favorite song. When you listen to your favorite song, that is it. Why do people like listening to music? Because it's pulling you into the moment. That's why. Um, so all this stuff, we, we all do it. We all know it. For me, it's yeah. fun understanding the underlying why and what works and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, like for me, we were talking about comedy um, earlier. But, like, I don't know if comedy is the end because as I unveil these pieces of it, it's well, you're doing it for your ego. Are you doing it for fame? And you see the byproducts of what people are. And, and to be honest, be doing comedy at 11 o'clock at night does not bode well with the 4.30 a.m. meditation session. But maybe it'll be public speaking. And maybe it'll be a spiritual version of Alan. Like I want to be like an Alan Watts type guy. or, or um, being, Just be, I look at myself like a vessel to, of, of obtaining information and just really wanting to spread it and let people um, just be calmer, be clearer. And in today's world with the way the practical sciences have sped up technology sped up social media is so okay we're, we're here now it's time for i think the soft sciences and, and um philosophy psychology all these things you have to catch up and be used as tools to kind of combat social media to combat understanding that you're looking at a photo of somebody's life in the best possible way that's not how your life should be um and i think these tools are going to be needed more than history class. Um, I, I would prefer my kid being a mindfulness class. I wish I was when I was a kid. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been such a nut. It would have been a lot easier. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have children yet. It's something I desire, but I, I'm like, I can't imagine putting my kids 
through the schooling I got, because number one, it doesn't teach you any life skills, right? Yeah. We weren't taught money and finding the things I think we could have, should have been taught, but mindfulness, especially. Here's what I want to ask you. Um, we touched on it in the very beginning is the mind, body, spirit, what I call the trifecta, because I think in our society, there's so much emphasis on the body, the physical, the external, mm-hmm. but I would love to hear from you, your perspective, mind, body, spirit, and the need for all three. Absolutely. Now I would say it's changed drastically, right? I used to be a, um, a physical body guy, um, being overweight, being the fat kid. I always looked at the world through the eyes of physical. What does this person look like? Then as you dive into personal development, I would say it moved more towards the mind. How, what is the mindset of this person? Or is it a growth mindset? Is it a, um, a stagnant mindset? What, what is their philosophy on life and all that stuff? And then I moved to, to spirituality and, I, I would say, if you had to ask me, I really think all three of them are, are crucial in your development, because if you're not moving your body and using physiology, you're going to be lacking in the mind. If I had to rank them, though, for me, I think it comes down to, to, the, to your mind. Um, and I'm on the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm not going to say anything about the mind. Um, <laughs> but it, it, if you get your mind straight and you're able to have some goals set up, you're able to understand your values and understand what you want, then you could, if you want to change your body, then the, the, the physiology will come. Um, but it, it's funny, a lot of people that, that email me and talk to me do start, I think it's easier to change things when you actually change your physical world. So if for somebody who's actually trying to, to, to get going on this, change your body first. For me, that's, that's what happened. And then you kind of expand. Well, oh, now I really could believe it. Like everybody in my family is overweight. Oh, we're Italians. It's genetics. It's carbs. It's just the way it is. You can't have abs. Bitch, I got abs. It's not, it's just following the, the, the rules of, of, uh, you know, of, of the diet. Um, so I think each of them is very important, but don't do one without the other. Don't just go hard in the gym. Don't just go hard in meditation. You need each, you need your meditation to get yourself clear. You need your mindset to set your goals. You need your body to start moving and get a little bit more blood going and get more energy for the day. That's the way I would say it. So I sometimes refer to myself as a personal trainer for your mind. So kind of like a personal trainer teaches their clients about nutrition and how to use the machines and exercises. Uh, it's, it's the same thing with the mind. And I'm personally experiencing something right now. So I've gotten, especially as a female and again, in our society, you know, I've never been good enough, right? Not skinny enough, not big enough boobs, whatever, all that physical <laughs> bullshit. And, and like, I hated my body and very self-critical. And only in these last couple of months have I really gotten into a space of thinking like I love myself, talking like I love myself, eating like I love myself. And I didn't change much. I, I've never counted calories. I, I have no desire to do that uh, because when I try to do that, then I binge because it's like this over, um, you know, whatever. Anyway. So what I'm sharing is I still get up and go to the gym every day. I simply change my mind, my thoughts and feelings about myself and my self-talk. And I can't make this up. I only noticed it in the last two weeks, my shorts are really getting baggy. And the only thing I really changed was my internal state, how I was thinking, feeling, and being. And, and it's just like, it's just falling off. See, isn't it? And I did the same thing this year. Um, 
I, I actually, I had a lot of body image psychologists come on just to hear. And it's funny, I guess women deal with it more. This is like my big issue in life. I just always viewed myself as the, as the fat kid. And when you start changing it internally, I actually, I was so scared to eat carbs, but I wanted to gain muscle. So I was like, you know, you're doing the, this is where the mind comes and you have to do some diligence and understand, okay, you have to eat carbs. I started eating carbs and I started looking better. So I started treating, treating myself with more compassion and, and so much less judgy that as I do with the whole world and just started like accepting, like, this is what you want. You have to put on a little bit of, 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 uh, weight to get some muscle. And I've never felt better. Like I really feel good. And then people comment on that. That matters, but it's just like, I, it used to be like, if I had a Venn diagram of where my mind, like 50% of it would be like, what are you looking like looking at your abs or looking at your body? And now I just don't even think about it. It's like, just do the work. And like what you were saying earlier about, you have to work on the things you can control. I think I kind of did that as well. If you're going to the gym, you're eating right. Um, you know, that should take care of itself. Then you don't have to stress and worry about it. And that goes for anything that you can't control because life is impermanence anyway. Yes. All right. Here's what I want to talk about. Um, because everybody's different and I don't think there's one right way, but I want to hear yours. What is your morning ritual? Absolutely. My morning ritual is the best part of my day. I would have a day ritual if I could. Um, I'm up 3.30 a.m. every morning. Uh, I start off with a uh, 15, 20 minutes of pranayama breath work, which is, you know, old school um, breath work, not anything too crazy. Um, the whole point of mine is to calm down my parasympathetic nervous system to get ready for my meditation. So I do just, I don't know what it's called, but it's in through, um, you go in through one nostril and then out through both, in through the opposite, out through both for about 15, 20 minutes. Then I step into, um, I do a, a hypnotherapy session for about eight to 10 minutes. Um, and there's podcasts on that. Um, Calming Anxiety is the one I use. Shout out to Martin Hewlett. Picking like what the intent of my day is going to be. So if I want to let go, I'll pick a letting go one. If I want to maybe um, forgive myself, there's forgiveness one. So about, I would say that's 30 minutes of, of the morning. Then I move to my, my meditation, which we kind of touched on, which is, I would say I like to do it for, I don't really, I try not to time it anymore, but I need like a 45 minute block just to get yourself into um, that mindset. Then I actually have something called the, uh, it, it's from, the creator of Mind Valley, Vishen Lakiani, who is called the six phase meditation, um, which is like a speed way of meditating, which if anybody's listening and you don't want to do all this stuff, you could just take this. And it's basically like two minutes of going through the feelings um, that just create those positive emotions in your life. So the first two minutes is connection. So really feeling connected, understanding that the way that we think about the world, that I am separate, I'm a separate entity from this world is not true. Really connecting and feeling at one with everybody. Then two minutes of gratitude, but not, you know this better than anybody with the Joe work. It's not about saying I'm grateful for my mother. I'm grateful for my family. Feeling it, feeling these things um, is the important piece. Then moving on to forgiveness, two minutes of forgiveness, then um, two minutes of envisioning uh, how your uh, next year is going to go, then two minutes of how your day is going to go, and then um, two minutes of, it, it's they say, give it to your higher power. In some case, if you're a personal development person, it's um, the super conscious. It's, you know, you pick your poison, whichever you kind of want to do of praising and thanking whoever that higher power to you is. Um, and then I go ahead and read, um, stoic classic collections, Marcus Aurelius, uh, Apeticus, all these guys who just kind of been talking about all the stuff we've been talking about of forgiveness, compassion. Um, and that's, it's a pretty, pretty in-depth 
ritual, but that's about an hour and a half, two hours. And then I go to the gym for two hours every day. So about four hours of Scott time is about what it takes to get it, to get it done for me. Yeah. And look, there's no right way or one way, but I think ultimately it comes down to anybody in this space who does practice mindfulness techniques. It really is the importance of first thing in the morning, spending some time clearing your mind, setting intention, filling up your own cup, and then taking on the day. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't, you, you could use whatever you have to use your gut and intuitively pick what's going to work best for you. Like my little cousins, little far-faced kids in Brooklyn, 18, 19 years old. When I say meditating, they call me, you know, what's this guy talking about? I told them journal for 10 minutes when they wake up and they're like, wow, we feel so much better. I'm like, yeah, dummy. It's meditating. You're meditating. I don't care what you say. I'm going to win the battle in the end. You're doing what I'm telling you. So anything that gets you, and that's the, the best part of, of this journey is like everybody in our space at least has this overarching vision. I would just say we're trying to help people, right? End suffering, help people, enlighten, whatever that may be. But each of us are going to get there in a very different way. Um, some are going to focus on the personal development path. Some are going to use a mix, like how I kind of use it. Some are just going to go super spiritual. That's the best part of this. It's like, you just want to keep getting those reps in and digging your hole deeper to get yourself to the other side. Yeah. What is your next, you know, what is that one thing that you really want to step into? Uh, public speaking would be the, the next thing. So I have been, um, I, I have been, um, approached by a few, uh, like the New York state I had on my, uh, podcast, um, one of the, per he was a speaker for the New York state society. And I guess the president heard it and asked me to come do a speech. So that would be, if I could really understand who I've become and like, it would be a mix of doing a, the public speaking while being funny bringing in comedy, but also being able to use a little bit of insight and a little bit of this philosophical work that we're doing to be able to kind of make people go, oh, wow, like just deliver entertainment in a real authentic and like ha truly um, original way. Um, Are you familiar with Kyle Cease? Yes, I am. Okay. So Kyle, he's kind of known for like the Jim Carrey meets Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Kyle, for those that don't know, a former big Hollywood comedian guy has stepped away from all of that and really into the spiritual realm. You can see him on YouTube and he's evolving out loud, but I love that he brings the, cause this doesn't have to be serious. It can be light and fun. And I truly believe we're here and that this is supposed to be our playground. So it is important to have that, that comedy side of it. So here's what I want to ask you, cause I feel like we've touched on a lot of different things today. What is the key takeaway you want listeners to get? I want everybody to clear. I want, I want them to really be able to sit down with their thoughts and clear their mind and say, what, what is my highest value, right? First figure that out. And if you want to break it down, I could help, I could help you. There's usually um, six human needs. This is a Tony Robbins thing. There's variety, um, which is, would be um, variety, certainty, growth, connection, love, contribution. And you have to understand that all of us are going to have a couple of those, but by, by really being able to align yourself with your biggest value, for me, uh, it happens to be um, growth and variety. By understanding those two things, and um, if you see where your friction is in your life or where you're unhappy, I bet you that your values in those, your highest values are not lined up with that. From there, you can move on to what you really want. And the best advice I can give by, if you don't know what you want, just ask yourself, what do I want? And then sit on that and have a journal in front of you 
and write about it. And this is how I sat with this for two, three months, um, figuring out what I wanted. It was podcasting and comedy. Now it's podcasting, comedy, public speaking. If you sit, sit there, the, you know, your mind will give you the answers. It's all inside of you. Yes, for sure. All right. I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Let's go. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Uh, where focus goes, energy flows, Tony Robbins. I mean, that is, um, for me that, that, you know, now it's like second nature to all of us, but that one really, um, I would always live by that. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? I, I would highly recommend all of Joe Dispenza's work, right? Uh, the power of supernatural, the breaking the habit of yourself. But right now I'm reading the, um, the experience, the variety of experience of religious experiences by William James, um, highly, highly recommend that for anybody who's dabbling and just even understanding, like, why do people even for like, I was never just so, so, you know, uh, I was never a, a religious person. It, I just like understanding the psychology and he breaks down the psychology of it and why we all kind of need a little bit of that in our lives to, to kind of give us that hope, that persistence, that glass half full type feeling. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Man, young Scott. That voice in your head, man, you don't got to listen to it all the time. There's that. Um, I was very, very hard on myself throughout my life, extremely hard on myself. Perfection. If I didn't get 100 on the test, I was torturing myself. And for people listening, if you're into this stuff, I'm sure you're the similar way. That voice has no power over you. It is an illusion. It is make-believe. It is there for you to survive. If you're listening, you're surviving. So fuck that voice and um, just don't be so hard on yourself, honestly. I couldn't agree more. And a great note to end on, Scott. Thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you so much, Heather. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.